The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code RTRS. Brought to you by SeatGeek. Get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase with the code RTRS. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter. Get yours at statesidevodka.com. On the show today, Media Day is Monday. I'll spring an idea on Mike that we haven't discussed about Media Day. Doc Rivers puts his foot in his mouth again when talking about Ben Simmons and Rich Paul. Everybody officially hates Jerry Colangelo. Furkan Korkmaz releases the best hype video of all time. Talk about how the Sixers can be defensively without Ben Simmons and without a Ben Simmons trade. Ask Mike to rank Halloween candy. And in the mailbag, Matisse Thiable tries to take the blame for the loss to the Hawks. Uh, before we get going, two quick plugs for friends of the pod. First of all, Ryan Tennis is a musician who I only know from the internet, but uh, it sounds like Jack Johnson, and he wears Ricky stuff all the time in his live feeds. And he did a new video for his new song, Alligator, and he is wearing the blue Ricky shirt, one of the best Ricky shirts in the video. So check it out. It's on YouTube now, Ryan Tennis Music on Instagram. And also an email from Charlie, who wants to wish Maria a happy birthday. He said he became an ardent follower during the pandemic as he allowed the Sixers to occupy too many of his waking thoughts. This was in large part due to my dear friend Maria, who had been talking up the pod for months and was frequently one of the relatively few women to attend Ricky live events and a fangirl. One of the actual great joys of my life is to watch her discover sports fandom in general toward the end of her PhD program through the journeys of the process Sixers. It's her birthday. So happy birthday, Maria. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is relieved the Sixers' big, huge problem they had on their hands is solved. Charles Bassey is signed to a three-year contract with the Sixers. Congratulations, Mike. It's over. We, we did, did it. it. <laughs> we figured it out. Uh, they compromised, which mm-hmm. I love to see adults do Yep. in business. Mm-hmm. Um, very exciting. Two years. With a third-year option, partial guarantee in the second year. That's good. It's good for the guy in his 50s, and it's not too much. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm happy. I wonder the third backup uh, position. Is that you? What, me? Oh, the the, the, the lawn mowing? 
Oh, it's lawn mowing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. I'm, I'm in the fucking suburbs. We're, it's actually a leaf blower. It's my neighbor. So hack, somebody with a hacksaw was coming. No, no, no. It's lawn mowing. There's nothing I can do. I'll mute while you finish up on Charles Bass. Uh, no, just very interested to find the third center battle between him and B-Ball Paul. B-Ball Paul should be obviously the second center, which we've said a lot. But such is life. We are very excited about this third string battle. Media day is Monday for, I don't know if it's all NBA teams. I know the Nets are Monday and the Sixers are Monday. Wow, he is just, he's blowing some leads. I mean, they are loud. Anyway, media day is Monday. I feel bad for the current Sixers players who I imagine, like obviously Sixers media day is going to be like heavily shadowed by the absence we assume of Ben Simmons. And if Ben Simmons would would show up, which we all don't think is going to happen, that would also be a lot uh, as well. I I just hope for the sake of the players that everyone gets their first Ben Simmons question moves on. I don't know what the hell the players are supposed to say at this point. Most of them have commented. Um, But it's for a lot of strange media days we've had and a lot of strange off seasons, this seems like it could be the biggest circus of all of them, actually, potentially. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be annoying. It's uh, Embiid has not commented too much. He always does a good job of sort of saying what he wants to say and then getting out of there. Mm-hmm. But when he's going to be in front of cameras and microphones and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, someone's bound to say something stupid. It's, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, the best candidate is Danny Green, who uh, <laughs> invites it. But Doc's been going around promoting a podcast which i didn't realize when i when the first take thing came out i didn't realize that this is like please you have a podcast now congrats please all right please don't insult the podcast though as my company odyssey like made the podcast no i haven't seen i haven't listened to it there's nothing about it it's 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 just like podcast it's just like bro like podcasts aren't cool like they're not cool you don't need to do them like we got it we got we're like deeply uncool over here. We've been doing, we've been deeply uncool for like eight years. Like just coach the fucking team. Well, like, but here's, here's my, my position on it. If he wants to do the podcast, do the podcast. I actually don't have a problem. Say with dumb shit. That is my problem. If this was not, a, none of these interviews here, I wasn't planning on doing this here, but I'll do this, this one. So he was on morning Joe for some reason on Why? MSNBC. Yeah. Right. Right. What are so we doing? On, Stop. So Stop. So, so the, the podcast is about great speeches in sports history. It's an interesting podcast. That said, if this is a planned media tour, he has to know what's coming, right? Like just thoroughly unprepared. And he did an entire season of like not burying anyone and just sort of like mostly just sort of like giving his finger to the media most of the time. So here is the audio of him on Morning Joe. podcast just looks fantastic. They're so well done. John Meacham's was was wonderful, and I'm sure yours will be too, especially with you at the, at the helm. Got to ask you before you go, though, you know I'm a hoops guy. Ben Simmons says he wants out of Philly. Have you talked to him? Are you going to convince him to stay? Well, I'm going to try. I mean, there's times that I think uh, we're getting through. And then there's times that I think uh, that I'm talking to people who still believe Trump won the election. So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Well, okay. So 
there may be a segment of the population who don't mind that comparison. Something tells me that Rich Paul and Ben Simmons don't want to be compared to people who think that Trump won the election. Is that, is it, do you think that's a fair estimation? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, <laughs> what, what are we doing? I just, he's just, <laughs> is he trying to sabotage himself? I, I just, don't know, like, man. It's, it's been, if he doesn't want to come back, like he's doesn't want to come back. So like, it's not like you're convincing him of some special thing. Like, Hey, see, look at the numbers. We're trying to get you to do this thing. Like, it's just saying like, Hey, I don't want to be there. And doc's like, I can do it. I know you like hate my guts because I've said some dumb shit. Like the thing I'm saying right now, but like, I I'm just going to push through because maybe I got some speeches. Maybe I got some good, if there's one, one speech away from being able to like really convince him. Jesus, man. Oh, and God. if he, if, and if the, the idea was to present publicly, if, if you want to get in this like sort of like PR war with clutch and to present publicly, Hey, we want you back. It's a very easy one sentence soundbite to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's super easy. It's, it's super easy to do that. And especially something tells me I've, I don't watch Morning Joe, but something tells me he's not going to get like follow up after follow no. up about Ben Simmons. He can give the answer and just move the fuck on. Like that's the one place where he can just talk about the well, podcast. Well, he was so excited to be like, actually, I'm on a political show. So I can actually make <laughs> here's, what, here's what seems material. like a little bit of a political joke at my expense and the expense of my player and one of the most powerful agents in the league. I could, I could fuck some shit up here for like a little bit of a – as a subject, a little topical humor here, and I'm Doc Rivers, and I'm wading into that water. Yeah, the, the I've said for I think we've we've been on the same page that by and large coaches are yeah you know, unless you have one of the the really elite ones or really horrible ones they're just sort of in the middle. And I don't think that Doc, the reason that the Sixers didn't win the championship last year is because of Doc Rivers, and I do think. It would be possible, theoretically, if they had the right players to win a championship with Doc Rivers. All that said, the idea of being like this sort of neutral coach that does not add too much or lose too much is not to do shit like this. Yeah. Don't do you punch know what I mean? yourself like, and your players in the dick. Like that's a yeah, – that like, would be – as a neutral coach, I would say that would tip the scales in a different direction. Like Nate McMillan's not on like Morning Joe comparing – his second best player and Rich Paul <laughs> to, to like the people they would like to be compared to the least in the entire world. It's just like, if you're just going to be here and collecting your whatever, $10 million and canceling practices to go play golf and all that kind of bullshit. And you're just going to sort of show up and be famous stock rivers and you know, that kind of bullshit, then do that. But don't like, don't make things worse for, the players who now have to answer to this shit on Monday and the GM who's trying to get rid of this fucking guy. I don't know, whatever. And the, and the fact that it's like all that the media tour is for promoting a podcast, which is a, the most stupid of all mediums (laughs) were, what are we doing here? And B a very Scott O'Neill move. What? Come on. We got rid of this. We got rid of this energy. Tad step in Tad. You know who did this actually was not a podcast, but the year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, right as training camp started, Doug Peterson's like, 
I did it like middle fingers out book came out and it was all of that at the same time. It's just like, and at least Doug Peterson won the fucking Super Bowl. You know, I, if, if, if Doc came out just sort of like dick out, you know, middle fingers flying, if they had won the, the, the championship last year, it would be one thing. So, so, uh, so I thought I'd give you the opportunity, you know, uh, Media day is tomorrow. Obviously, everybody is going to get asked questions, all the players. I came up with a couple of ideas. If you, I'm just going to give a few Sixers players. If you could ask them one question tomorrow or Monday at media day, what would it be? Like for Tobias Harris, my question would be, why do you look so skinny and fit in street clothes, but in your uniform, you look a, a little bit doughy? I've never seen a player have such an enormous split between how they look in street clothes and how they look in their uniform. If you had one question for Tobias, it's an interesting observation. I don't know that I would ask it, Mm -hmm. but it's an interesting observation. Um, I would just, I would ask the the question of like the the we keep asking of of like the for Tobias the weakness. Like shoot, why are you shooting fast? Like you're a good shooter. You Mm -hmm. need to get up more threes per game than you are. You need to get them up faster. And you mm-hmm. did in the first half of the season and, and you stopped doing it. It seemed like you kind of devolved back into the thing. You had a great season, but for the health of the offense as a whole, it would it seems like it'd be important for you to hoist more regularly and with less uh, less second guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he doesn't do it. It's no. I think Drummond is a guy, you have him on the list here. It's like why why are you, what do you do here? Um, and also like, are you planning on doing like a, a Kobe thing? A, a, are you, are we, are we dribbling? Are we yeah. handling the ball? Are we taking outside shots or are you just here to like feast on backup centers and stuff? Before we get to the other players, let's talk about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Now, I don't often go to the notes that they send us for the ads. I love SeatGeek. I think it's a really, really great service, right? Like, uh, there are millions of different ticket sites, and they are sort of confusing, and SeatGeek aggregating them into one place and telling you if it's a good price or not, that's a really good service. But I happen to look at the notes they gave us, and let me let me give you the three intro options. I, I, I figured you would enjoy this. The first one is brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been ge- having enough fun lately? If not, that it's time to use Seed Geek. Mm. Yeah, little butt play. Um, mm. Second one, have you been treating your butt well lately? Has it been going oh. to places? No? Then you've got to try Seed Geek. Really hammering the butt situation. Yeah, and then the other one is, did you know your butt has a favorite app? That's right, Seed Geek. All butts. Three for three. <laughs> Heavy on butts. I do look, they know their, they know, they know their lane and they're they do. At the, so I was looking, I actually brought it up because I didn't buy the tickets yet. I was, my chemical romance had this reunion tour they were going to do. And then it got postponed due to COVID. Uh, they're at Madison square garden, September 20th of 22. And I'm looking here on SeatGeek for an amazing deal right here. Section 216, they would be $120 each. And that is a 9.2, an amazing deal. Um, now I'm looking for a worse deal. How about this section 116 row eight? This is only a good deal. They give it a 6.3. That's what SeatGeek does. It tells you if it's a good deal or if it's a bad deal. And if you're not ready to buy, you can just keep checking the app. And if you don't even understand numbers, that's okay because they color code the deals as well. 
dark green is a really good deal. Red is a bad deal. Now that people are going to concerts again, going to sporting events again, you don't want to be bothered with all of those different ticket reselling websites. No, the only ticket site you need or app you need is SeatGeek. And to help motivate you, $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek with the code RTRS at SeatGeek.com or the app. That is $20 off your first purchase with code RTRS. You and your butt will enjoy it. SeatGeek. Download the app today. Danny Green, the question I, the one question I had for Danny Green is I would present to him the concept of the Danny and ask him who he would give the Danny to. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if he'd probably be offended by that. Yeah. Danny, Danny is a guy, I'm, I'm keep going back and forth, but the Michael Connor wrote an article that I really liked for the website, the RicksRickySanchez.com website. Um, where he says basically the the Sixers have not they lost the 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 meat of the article is they lost a very embarrassing playoff series three months ago and they have not really made any material changes to the team. Obviously Ben Simmons is hanging over all of this, et cetera, et cetera. But even without him, Daryl hasn't the front office hasn't done much to add anything new. They replaced Dwight with a a, a similar Dwight player. Maybe he'll be better. Maybe he'll be worse. Um, but the, a similar style of player. And they added George Niang, who is a better version of Mike Scott, uh, which is nice, but it's not materially different from the team that lost. That's putting like an awful lot of pressure on or a, a credit to Danny Green to be like, and, and they claim to be saying like, we want Ben back. Obviously they, they want him back so they can raise his value and stuff. And, and it's not a long-term fix, et cetera, et cetera. But like, at least per their, let's take them at their word and say, we want Ben back. We love him here. We want to give him big kisses where everybody gets in. Uh, but we just had the, this embarrassing playoff loss to a team that we shouldn't have lost to. And basically the only thing that was missing was Danny, who was out for the most of the, most of the series. And are they saying that you're, you're talking to me? You're muted. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. The, the one thing I wanted to mention about Danny being out is that no one ever really talks about the fact that like DeAndre Hunter was also out and yeah, yeah. Bogdanovich was hurt too. So like hurt. Yeah. The, there, were, there, were, there were problems on both teams in terms oh, of for like, sure. injuries. For yeah. sure. But the, well, the Sixers main, it, taking them at the word, their main yeah. like front and center thing is like, hey, we lost to the fucking Hawks last year and uh, it was all because of, of Danny. And we got actually figured it out. We figured it out. It's, we're better now. And it's just like, they, I know that they're trying to do a, a bench trade that makes sense, but they're not publicly saying that or doing that. So right now it's just we, we're, we're running it back with the same team that had one of the most disappointing losses in, in modern Philadelphia. Like since, at least as far as Philadelphia goes, like since like losing to the Panthers in, in the yeah. NFC Championship game. Like, and, what are we doing? And Mike, I think Mike's biggest point was that like we expect to see margin stuff from Daryl. And even though you you could easily defend all of the moves and none of them were well, I thought the Drummond one was bad. It sure. does not it does not appear as if there's any like, ooh, that's interesting. You know, like that that could really work out in a super positive yeah. way. I like I, all those guys. I, I do expect that a lot of the young players will keep getting better. Obviously, I believe in Maxi. I think Shake will have a, a more consistent year. I think Isaiah Joe could be a part of the rotation. Matisse will get better, et cetera. But 
And I think just like stability within the roster will will allow for some improvement. And stability is not something this team has had or Embiid has had his career. Mm-hmm. But like, what? What? <laughs> we just lost the Hawks, and yeah. we're just moving forward like this. It's just like I, as much as I said the other day, just to be like, just to mix it up, be like, what if, what if Ben comes back and it's great, and what if everyone like does the thing, just to like mix it up thought wise to, to as far as like hopefulness goes. Like, it, there's no reason to expect that would happen. There's no reason to expect no, that Tobias right. will change uh, the kind of player that he is to be a, a more uh, quick trigger guy from, from beyond. There's no reason to expect that Doc will adjust in the playoffs and uh, at least have some different mode of playing when Joel's not on the court. Um, right. There's no reason to expect that Ben's going to shoot. There's no reason to expect that Matisse would be a, a far better shooter. Like, they're, it, it's, they're the same team. And I, I, odds are, like, they're not – the Sixers were a relatively healthy team last year. Mm-hmm. And – Odds are they won't be this year. Like there's someone is going to get hurt and it's going to be worse. So it's just like, I don't know. The the East has gotten significantly better. Miami got a lot better. I think Boston got a lot better. I think Brooklyn, if, if they're healthy, is obviously the juggernaut. Milwaukee just won a championship. Like the Hawks, who they who beat the Sixers, are a year older and and seemingly also got better. Although I think they could just take, take a step back because uh, development's not linear like that. It. I just don't know. I mean, like signing Korkmaz was nice. Like I, I, I like all the moves individually, but like, I don't know how we can look at this team right now and go uh, they've fixed any of their problems unless unless Maxi takes that huge leap forward that we were talking about. It just seems like we're the same team that, that lost the fucking Hawks. I thought this email from Josh was uh, prescient given you, you actually just brought up your what if Ben comes back and yada, yada, yada. He asks, if, would you fire Doc today? if it meant Ben suiting up and raising his trade value prior to the deadline. Spike, I know you're on the record for months saying Ben has played his last game in a Sixers jersey. That said, our best case scenario here um, is for him to come back and play until we get somebody who actually raises our playoff ceiling and picks for him. I also don't think Jock is a championship caliber coach at this point in his career, using, using his mishandling of the Ben situation as our reason. We could potentially oust him now as a sacrificial lamb and kill two stones with one bird. I don't think that's how it goes. What are your thoughts? I would, I would not do that. I actually think that there is a chance that Ben suiting up could lower his trade value at this point because everything is so messy. I think him like stepping on the court in Philadelphia at this point is like almost like potential for such like enormous chaos unless he was willing to publicly walk back things. So I I would not do this, though I wouldn't have a problem firing Doc. I just, I don't think Ben suiting up is realistic at this point. You? Yeah, I agree that I don't think it's realistic. I, if, if in like a world where I could control all the pieces, like it's roller coaster tycoon, I could be like, hey, fans like be excited about it and Ben like be better and be happy and everyone just like, you know, Ben say some like, Dawkins quotes or something like that, whatever it takes to get to get through. Um, but I think it, I agree that it's too messy at this point. Um, yeah, there was another point yeah. I was going to make, but I'm, I'm losing it. But keep going. Josh's non-basketball question. I thought, um, you know, you've you've uh, I think established yourself as a just sort of a, a bathroom habit aficionado as the pod has evolved <laughs> over the years. Josh says. What's your approach when you take a soft shit in public bathroom and no amount of toilet paper in the world seems to get rid of that sharpie mark? 
<laughs> no toilet paper in the world seems to get rid of that Sharpie marker tip of poop that lives somewhere deep up there. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think be upset the rest of the day. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened, but I would say maybe seven, eight years ago, that stopped happening to me. I like, I just haven't had that, man, I just didn't finish like thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's been my, the way I've eaten, but I just, I don't ever have that problem. That said, you really just, you just got to deal with it. I think, I think it's just like a, it's a psych yourself out sort of thing. You don't feel it in there. You know, you didn't get it. Stop wiping. Hey, good for you, man. Yeah. The thing, the thing I was going to say, there was a, uh, uh, Jackson Frank tweeted that like Ben Simmons is, uh, it's funny that I forget the exact wording, but it's basically like, it's funny to look around at the Ben Simmons discourse and still realize that he's currently building a Hall of Fame caliber career, which regardless of whether you think about Ben or not as a player, like three all-star games before he's 25 and second, uh, you know, an all-defense team, the odds of him, especially if he finishes in the East, as I think Kyle Newbeck pointed out, of getting like five or six more all-star appearances at least and probably a defensive player of the year and probably a ton more all-defense teams and stuff, like as a because the the basketball hall of fame is pretty uh just let kind of isn't 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 pinching bobby abreu out of it um there i think that is on paper like a hall of fame type resume um regardless of whether you think about ben as a as a basketball player or not but it's just i think i was thinking it's just like we are right now in such a like ben simmons chaos phase and I don't think that he should play another game here. I think it's too far gone and everything. But in the same way that like Kawhi's trade value was so was so theoretically low when San Antonio had him, and Harden's trade value was a little bit lower when he came in, like out of shape. Like we're we're going to be past this moment, I would say, pretty quickly. Like obviously Ben has things to get to get better at, but like we're such a the like basketball media and like rumors ecosystem is such a like, what have you done for me lately? Like, why now? Like right in the moment, like can't see really too far in front of us or behind us. Like his value this second is, is what we're, is what we keep talking about. And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong at the moment. Like it's very clearly that it, he needs to be valued higher for the Sixers to come away with the people that they want to come away with. Um, but I, I would not be surprised if, they trade him for whatever in six months, nine months, a year or two. It's like, oh yeah, he's one of the best twenty players in the league again, and he's one of the he's one of the youngest superstars. And people start whatever it is. Like I just every time, obviously, he can only trade him f- for the value he has now. But I, it's it just that tweet made it pretty clear to me. Like man, we just every time it's it's what's right happening in the moment, and. I think once we're past this, it's going to, it's going to be like, Oh fuck, why don't we get more for him? If he's this good, whatever, regardless of whether you think him as a basketball player, I think just he'll go back to the guy that he was prior to this shit show. Yeah, I agree. I agree in, in this context. I agree totally with the value proposition. I agree that we do, we are prisoners of the moment a lot. Yeah. And, and really it just comes down to like, you know, the, the hardened thing I think is the best example where, oh, he's lowering it by going to these clubs and blah, 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 blah. Well, it still comes down to, do you want James Harden or not? You yeah. know, I think the the context that's missing from that tweet about like him building a Hall of Fame career, and I, I don't know that it's like untrue, but if if he were to, con- 
continue this trajectory. If we're saying that he's continuing the trajectory of like his all-star appearances and defense and all that, then we would also say that he continues his trajectory of like not improving offensively. And I, I think that his accolades would actually decrease. And I think it's possible even that his defensive accolades decrease and he becomes a player that nobody knows what to do with, you know? So I, again, I, I think it's probably better than 50% from a, a hall of fame standpoint, but you can't say that this trajectory stays and that like, and like this one doesn't. And of course there's always the possibility that he figures it out and changes and all of those sorts of things. But, um, but I don't know. Um, you know, who knows, but I, I think, Prison, I think prisoners I think, of the moment sounds like a metal album. Yeah. A, a good metal album, actually. There you, go. Um, you heard rebel barking. It's a good time to talk about big barker dog beds. Our sponsor, love Big Barker. Rebel's never barking when he's on his Big Barker because he's comfortable as shit. A real dog bed, the only real dog bed on the market. If you care about your dog's health, you will get your dog a Big Barker. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. BigBarker.com slash Ricky is where you get your Big Barker dog bed and also your processed pup patches. I say if you care about your dog's health because your dog spends so much time sleeping. And if your dog is spending his time, his or her time sleeping on a bad bed, that will be bad for your dog's joints. And that is proof is in the pudding. Dogs develop arthritis just like we do, especially bigger dogs. And sleeping on a on the right kind of mattress, a supportive mattress like a big barker changes that trajectory. It makes your dog healthier. And I know you say to yourself, well, 200 bucks for a dog bed is a lot. Right. But like this dog bed has a 10 year warranty and this dog bed is actually going to keep your dog healthier, which is going to save you money in the long run. And really the bottom line is your dog's health and happiness is the reason that you adopt a dog to give the dog a great life. And a big barker dog bed helps do that. It's the only thing that matters. They're also sponsors of our bark in the park team, Providence animal center, October 23rd, join our team, raise at least 75 bucks, get that rebel shirt thanks to uh, Big Barker in this case. Again, 10-year warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free, one-year at-home trial. If you wanna return it, go ahead. They'll even pay for the shipping within a year, handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. Oh, woof, woof. Um, now I have to hide this thing. We have no, uh, we have no t- CJ today. So I'm CJ doing abandoned us for yeah. music. Yeah, Firefly. What a piece CJ. of shit. I know, real piece of shit. We got this email earlier in the week. I thought it was pretty prescient. Dear Spike and Mike, I'm getting pretty fucking tired of you guys talking about the Sixers, and it might be time to find a new primary topic for the podcast. I can't imagine I'm the only one who feels this way. I was very impressed with how Mike handled the unexpected pivot to the topic of Halloween in the last episode. What a pro. Maybe the Ricky could become a podcast about where you talk about holidays. Mm. It would be the only holiday podcast. Mm. To get you started, here are some holiday-related questions. Um, do you like trips or getaways on one of the three day weekend holiday situations like president's day or labor day, indigenous people's day, Memorial day? What do you think? Are you a a three day weekend trip guy? No, I really, I rarely do that. I feel like it's like a scam to go on the weekend. Everybody else is going. Mm -hmm. So I stay home and feel like I'm getting a deal by not doing anything or staying in town. When you stay home, I think a three day weekend feels so long. It feels like such a huge difference from a two-day weekend. Um, Do you celebrate Hanukkah? Uh, Yeah, we'll light some some candles, Mm -hmm. say some prayers, put a uh, yarmulke on my dog, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, we do that. <laughs> I do not. Uh, my my parents did a little bit, if I remember when I lived there, but I, I do not. Any takes on Valentine's Day? I actually like Valentine's Day a lot. People are like, oh, it's just, you know, a commercial thing and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I guess, but like you're not selling your significant other or something. It's just like an excuse to be nice to your significant other. I think it's a fine holiday. I like Valentine's yeah. Day. If there was some sort of barter system on on Thanksgiving or on Valentine's Day where everyone is now negotiating on trading their significant others, that would be a different <laughs> holiday. Yeah. Um, I'm pro Valentine's Day. I think it's nice. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had some good Valentine's Days and I've had some uh, I dropped the ball Valentine's Day. I think this past one I was – in the heart of the pandemic. And I think we, uh, I'm, you know, mistakes were made, but, uh, I think generally it's, it's good. I think generally positive. It's fun. And I like a uh, Galentine's day when, uh, uh, single folks can get together and say, fuck anybody in a relationship. I think that's good mm-hmm. for them too. Yeah. A little, always good for a little bitterness. I think a holiday oh, yeah. that capitalizes on bitterness. Oh, and yeah. then I added this, uh, I wanted just a quick, I guess I'd like you to scale on one to ten with the uh, the you know the one tenth decimal system. Just I took the the most popular Halloween candies of 2019, and I want you to give it a, a one through ten. Snickers. Most of, I have peanut allergy, so. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll score Snickers as a, uh, a seven eight. Um, Milky Way. Mm, four and a half. Mm. Wow. I think there's no reason to eat a Milky Way. You should just eat a Snickers unless you have a peanut allergy. Uh, Kit Kat. I don't like that it's like sort of like a little chalky, like a little mm. grind, a little, little too muggy eating like coffee beans. So I'll go, I'll go three and a half for Kit Kat. That's so low. I'm just, I'm going to give it a five to hundred grand. Uh, I remember, I remember liking, I haven't had a hundred grand, maybe 20 years. I remember liking it and then having like a weird allergy thing to it. This is yeah. not a fun game for, for people with allergies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give you a hundred grand, a four, one. I'm going to give it an eight, eight. I think it's a great, you're scoring one to 10 row, right? I mean, That's right. Your scores are so low. All right. Um, Skittles. Uh, I don't like Skittles. I know people <laughs> like them. I never liked Skittles. I think Skittles are, are not very good. I'll give it a, I'll, I like a sour Skittle. I think yeah. a sour Skittle is pretty good. Um, so for sour Skittles, I'll, I'll bump it up to like a 3.8. <laughs> I'm going to give Skittles a, a five, six Reese's peanut butter cups. Can't, oh, you can't. can't. I mean, it's a, a nine, a nine. nine but I'll give me, give me a, like a Justin's dark chocolate almond butter cup. Yeah. Give me that's a that's a 10, baby. Okay. There you go. Then I, I sort of get your concept of where you would be on Reese's peanut butter cups, which are excellent. Uh Starburst. I'll go um, first on this. I think Starburst are uh, are in eight three, and I rank them cherry, lemon, orange, strawberry. Uh I would go, yeah, I would give them like an like an eight point eight mm-hmm. for a Starburst. And Red definitely the best, and then it's kind of a a, t- a tie for for second or third. I, it really is a depending on what you do. I know orange gets a bad rap. I know yellow gets a bad rap, and people love pink, but I think yeah. they're all about the same. Yeah, I think pink sucks. M and M's, you're straight up M M&M, and M, the classic M M&M. and I had a I had a <laughs> another attraction M and M's, even the regular ones when I was younger, and so I I don't need them. I never did. Sorry. I'm gonna this give them a seven. I'm not the guy for this game. Seven one. Okay, I'll just do two more. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, 
Great Sour Patch Kids. Uh, my buddy growing up used to, had a, a system of Sour Patch Kids in movies when he would start eating them, I believe 27 minutes into the movie. It's the perfect time to, to like let them last for the whole thing, um, which I respected. Uh, but I think more than like five or six and you're, and you're hospitalized at this age. Um, so I'll, I'll give Sour Patch Kids like a seven and a half. I'm going to give him a nine, four. I fucking love Sour Patch Kids and Hershey bars, straight up classic Hershey bar. Classic, classic situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, it, I like the easily breakable bar. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that makes it easy to, easy to handle. Um, as an adult, I've morphed more into dark chocolate. I, I enjoy it more, but uh, I, I, I like a classic Hershey bar as well. So I'll give it a seven. Yeah, I think it's a, a really solid seven six. I do like a Hershey bar. So a uh, there's a show called what's it called the Barber Shop, and it's on um, uninterrupted, and uh, Kevin Love on HBO, and Kevin Love. Wait, hold on. Kevin Love was on it, and so was media's own Wanda Sykes. Funny story, when I got engaged and it was on philly.com, it was the second headline story. The number one was something about Wanda Sykes. So that is my, uh, and I think uh, Jadakiss from The Locks was also on this episode. But the quote that is circulating online is, you know, we get a lot of like, oh, you guys think you're right all the time, but like, look at all this shit you were wrong about. This one, I think, lines up for the right thing. Here is one minute of, of that was online. Kevin's still playing basketball. Yeah. He wants to get another contract. So now these GMs are going to read this and go, wait a minute, he's damaged goods. I was like, this is fucked up for yeah. this guy to do this. You weren't the only one. Brian called me, same thing. It was like, yeah, fuck that. You never, you know, that's something that should never be said, regardless of what was said on either side and all of it. You just never do that because there was no need to do that. And like, what, that was was, my point. what did he have the game? Protecting his legacy. He wanted something to point the finger at if they lost. In case it didn't go right, which it was looking bad. It was just wrong in so many ways. And for me, I'm I'm sitting up here being the nice guy right now, but honestly, I'll do it for you. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck you, Jerry. Incredible. Just Wanda Sykes looks at the camera and goes, fuck you, Jerry. Incredible. I've been waiting for a new T-shirt. You know, I think that might be it. That's great. Yeah. Good for them. Good for Kevin Love. I mean, he's an awful guy. He's always been awful. Uh, people gave him credit for, like, coming up with the idea of, like, a team of really great players. Like, you could just, when in, like, the 60s or 70s, you could just have, like, done anything. Like, no one had done anything before. It was the first time for everything. And so anytime anyone like, like wrote something down or like, like did a jab step, it was like, holy shit, we've never seen anything like this before. This guy's in the Hall of Famer. He's a legend. And then he just like got to do the like stupid fucking business shit and got to say like, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Business Basketball. I'm Mr. Basketball Business, Jerry Colangelo. And then he fucking hires his kid and his kid sucks. And it's just like, oh my God. Just, just a, just a trash guy who got here first. Get out of here. And he made the mistake, you know. Uh, what is it? Uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Is that like he just stuck around too long? Like if he had just retired 
eight years ago or 10 years ago and sort of went off into the distance. He could have all shit named after him, like just like hanging out, like watching TV in Phoenix, you know, getting up really early, heading out to brunch, you know, all that shit, never pay for a meal. But he hung around too long. He's too power hungry and too just desperate for attention and credit. And it just, it backfired. He lasted yeah. too long. And now he made people like, just don't, yeah, sorry. He, he made Kevin Love a, like Kevin Love, who in other circumstances, who had like plenty of bad, you know, vibes on court last year and way mm-hmm. overpaid and all this shit, mm-hmm. turned Kevin Love into an incredibly sympathetic figure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. I don't know why people just don't retire. I don't yeah. understand. It's, Move on. It sounds so nice to like, mm-hmm. there's so many generations of people that can't, that are never going to be able to retire. And Jerry's like, I'm still fucking working, baby. I'm taking everybody's jobs. It's like, what an asshole, man. Just go away. Like learn how to paint or fucking like till a land. Like go get out. Come on. What's happening? It's just, I, I just don't understand it. Uh, speaking of the naming something afterwards, uh, just a tease. I don't know if we're allowed to, if we should say it yet, but someone has come forward. Oh yeah. With the, the tease uh, is what we should do. With the uh, with the offer to name a bathroom after me, mm-hmm. um, in a building, yeah, that was uh, at, which we talked about a few a few pods ago. Of, yes, of me getting one. I think you should only get one building or room or whatever that you're named after, and that's it. Um, Jerry obviously has like a dozen because he fucking just like bribed people or whatever. Um, but I only get I'll only get one, and so. We'll see if this goes the distance, but there's an offer on the table. So if you have other offers of other bathrooms or whatever to name after me, please come forward because there are there is a there is an offer on the table. So we'll see. Um, a listener submitted Jigsaw before we get to the mailbag. This comes from Steve. Play. I will play this game. Game we play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Option number one, Mike. You have to insist that everyone call you Big Dog. Big if dog. people, including your family or partner call you by your given name or another nickname you have to either pretend you don't hear them or say actually it's big dog mm. you also have to sign all of your email <laughs> all of your emails big dog in <laughs> informal communication it's okay to sign for an for instance mike quote big dog levin uh levin this is true for the rest of your life unless you have kids at which time you have to follow the same rules but switch to papa bear <laughs> option two From Tuesday through Sunday every week, you have to eat and drink only things that are roughly the same color, with each day of the week being a different color. So for instance, you could choose that Tuesday is red, Wednesday is green, Thursday is beige, Friday is yellow, Saturday is brown, Sunday is black. Monday, you can eat whatever you want. The outside of the food is what determines its color if eaten by itself. An apple is red or green, for instance, even though the inside is white. But if in a dish, all components have to be the same color, You can use food coloring if you want, but the sauces that don't fully seep into the food don't count. So you can't eat pasta with tomato sauce on a red day unless the pasta is also red, maybe infused with a red food coloring like sun-dried tomatoes. Um, That sounds too difficult. That sounds too difficult. I'm bad at colors. Big dog? All my my foods are generally the the same color as like Spanish rice anyway. So like a red brown, but that would be tough to match it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going big dog. I'm big dog. I'm Big Dog now. I'm not Big Dog Glenn Robinson. Big Dog me. Uh, 
I think that that's, I think that that'd be great. And I do, it is fun signing off on the email with Big Dog. I'd probably say Big Dog. I'd probably call myself Big Dog to like my <laughs> nephew or something like that. Uh, or I like when someone calls me Big Dog. I'm like, oh, Big Dog. And now I'm Big Dog. Like that's, that's a little boost. Yeah. Um, so I'll be Big Dog and Papa Bear will be, will be a tough adjustment, but uh, I'll make it, I'll make it happen. I'll, tell, I'll tailor my personality around Papa Bear. There's no way this will translate to how funny it was to me. But for some reason, my brother, whose name is Jason, uh, my brother and I continually called each other Jeff, even though our names were not Jeff. And at his first job, which was at 10th Street Management, who manages like Motley Crue and Papa Roach, he started signing his emails. Papa Bear Roach. Papa Bear Roach. He started signing his emails, Jeff Eskin, even though his name is Jason, um, even his professional emails. <laughs> And his boss called him in once and said, hey, somebody called up asking for Jeff Eskin. The front desk was confused. You got to stop this. And my brother's response to him was, how about if they call for Jeff, you just send them to me? And the guy said no. And that was the end of his run in signing uh, his emails, Jeff Eskin. Before we get to the mailbag, Cornblow and Cornblow is the official law firm of the process. I, we got a, a great email, I thought. Uh, and I thought it was particularly um, particularly timely, considering I mentioned I got bit by a dog uh, a few weeks ago. To keep it short and sweet, my dog got onto the porch when a food delivery came to our house by mistake and ended up scratching the driver. The whole thing became a nightmare with police reports and calls from animal control. Wasn't overly worried about liability. What happened happened, but the potential of taking my dog away terrified me. The internet was unreliable and had contradictory information, so I reached out to somebody I'd heard could help. I sent an email with a summary of the situation to Cornblow at Cornblow and Cornblow.com. Within an hour at 9.30 p.m., the man himself, Adam Cornblow, was on the phone with me informing me of my rights and telling me exactly how to handle the situation. Mix in some Sixers talk, and it adds up to the only good experience I've ever had with a lawyer. Couldn't have asked for more. I can't believe how accurate the ads are. Appreciate you guys advertising for such high-quality people. Um, sincerely, a, a Sixers season ticket holder since we traded Drew. That's a very nice situation. I, I, I had a, a similar situation in that when I got bit by that dog, like I wanted to make sure that the dog was safe, and I had to go to the police, but my, like my big concern was... I didn't want anything to happen to that dog. So Adam Kornblau, Kornblau and Kornblau is the premier personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. As was just proven there, when you email or call Kornblau and Kornblau, you get a Kornblau. It is not just a referral service. And he's helped out so many of our listeners with so many different situations. I know it's a personal injury law firm, but if you need anything in the legal spectrum, you reach out to Kornblau. He is your fucking guy. Uh, 215-576-7200 to ask for Adam or email cornblau at cornblau and cornblau.com. Cornblau and cornblau, really just a genuine dude, been, been there with us for um, three, four years at this point. Awesome, awesome guy. Cornblau and cornblau, cornblau, the official law firm of the process. Um, this comes from Dylan. What's up, Spike and Mike? Disclaimer. I don't listen to JJ's podcast because I don't su support turning a blind eye to human trafficking. But I came across this clip of Matisse on Old Man and the Three podcast, and I had to send it in. First ob observation, of course, JJ Reddick sits there for an hour-long podcast indoors with sunglasses on. Second, watch the clip below in which JJ begins his prompt to Matisse saying, not, not going to put you in a tough spot right now. 
He then proceeds to ask Matisse if he thinks, quote, the Sixers could have handled the end of the last postseason better. He then goes on to say from the outside, it seems as if the team threw Ben under the bus. Matisse is very visibly uncomfortable at the question. I just want to say J.J. Redick fucking sucks and no Sixers fan should like this poser. He's the complete opposite of a from here Philly athlete. P.S. Tommy slouching on the couch saying nothing is a perfect representation of what he brings to the table in life. Um, I don't know. Did you hear the clip of what Matisse says? So. Do you want me to play it? It's a couple minutes long, or I can just sum it for you. What's your what's your your choice? Sum it up. Sum it up. So Matisse basically says at the end of it, at the end of JJ just fucking putting him in a corner, he says, well, nobody mentions that like I caused the foul that lost the series for us, and I got no heat at all, and I should have gotten more heat, and there should have been less heat on Ben. And I thought it was a good way of Matisse pivoting out of the question but uh, of course he doesn't deserve the same amount of uh, criticism. And what it made me think of is that you can be prepared for that question as I imagine Matisse was. And as I imagine all the tomorrow or Monday at media day, all the players will be prepared for. But mm-hmm. when you get asked the question, maybe slightly different than you're prepared for, it just puts you in a situation where it's it's hard to answer sometimes. So I, I would recommend that every Sixer have one sentence that they're prepared to give about Ben Simmons. Something to the effect of, I love Ben, love playing with Ben, hope there's a res- resolution to the situation soon. And that's it. And don't try to answer the question. That would be my my advice. Yeah, it'll be something like, uh, would love to have him here, but understand he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Um, we're prepared to move on with the team that's that's here whatever mm-hmm. something yeah um this comes from franco but somebody's gonna say something stupid yes it's an easy thing to say a million i'm percent. sure reporters will some some will like drill down and ask like some follow-up questions and that's when you'll get the like the danny yeah i just and i i i think you know we've had our problems with ownership and general managers and coaches and all that kind of stuff with the sixers over the years i would say that like the current communications and PR staff is, and media staff is really, really solid. And they've always been good to us. I'm always amazed. And maybe it's just that the players don't listen or or care, but like, if, if I were, I'm not telling them how to do their job, but if I were you, I would go up to each player and just say, say a sentence. And if you get pressed, say, I don't really have anything more to say. And then you'll, the, the Sixers, like, media staff is not like, they're not like the Eagles ones. They're not just going to keep, especially a situation like this, the players have no control over. Just get out of it as quickly as possible. An email from Franco. On a systemic basis, how can a professional team that spends so much on player development and well-being miss so badly on potential draft pick psychological profiling? There is a pattern here with Okafor, Simmons, Fultz, et cetera. Is someone forgetting to check the box for unafraid of failure, obsessively dedicated to getting better. Seems like the Sixers really focus, If the, until the Sixers really focus more on this area, we run a high risk of ending up with a more fixed mindset, mentally fragile players that end up getting dumped for pennies on the dollar. I, uh, I hate I hate the, the phrase mentally fragile. I, well, I really, I whatever really, it is. I think that that's right. Yeah. Um, there's just so much we don't know. I think Okafor sucked. He didn't suck because like his, he didn't have like a the, the ability to like, tough through stuff he's just not he wasn't good enough he Uh was dominating players in high school and like never adjusted or got improved his game or 
uh, or people just like put too much into the stock of like, Hey, he can like bully some like D like player. That's not going to play in the NBA in the post. So that's, that's exciting. But like, it's just not, he wasn't good enough. Um, and random just shit, shit happens. Like, I don't know. I, I think that there is like, Hey, let's get the sense of this guy. Let's find out like what this kind of, what this person is like. Let's talk to their coaches and trainers and former teammates and all that stuff. And they do like a ton of research, probably more research than we could even like really fathom. They talk to so many people um, because they're investing a ton of money and um, not just money, but like time and hopes and dreams mm -hmm. and all that stuff into, into this person. Um, yeah. I don't think that, I think it's just weird shit happened. I don't know that like the, another organization would have looked at Markel or Ben, obviously they're, they're two very different scenarios, but would have looked at them and gone like, no, not, not mentally strong enough or something. I think it's just like weird shit happens. I think that it should be on them to think about that shit and be like, well, maybe, okay, what do we do differently? What kinds, what kinds of personalities do we want in, in here? Um, and they should examine that. But I, I also don't think that like you imagine not taking somebody at, and going like, oh, it was because like our, our like very nebulous brain test was, it wasn't good enough. Like imagine taking, that's, that's a reason you took like Evan Turner over Paul George or something like that. Like it's like, okay, well your brain test is wrong, bro. Draft the guy who's the most talented. So I, yeah. I think that there's there's drawbacks to it as well, obviously. The, the thing about drafting is that you're basically trying to do calculations on millions of things that you can't calculate. Like mm -hmm. really the only thing that you can calculate with these players are their statistics, you know, their shooting percent and their, their physical attributes. And everything else is just like this projection that is mostly coming from your human judgment of this projection. How much better can they get? You know, all those, and one of those things is their, you know, their like mental makeup. And I do think that it's super important. And I do think that like some players, some people are more predisposed for success because of how, um, how they think and how they are and, you know, like their work ethic and how they are around other players. Like this is a, a thing where you're stuck with 14 other people six months out of the year constantly, how you are as a person matters, right? Like it's not just about physical talent. All that said, you're doing this when people are 19 and 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And who that who that person is at 19 or 20, I, I mean, I'm not only was I a different person at 19 or 20 and then like 27 or 30, and then now my age, every two years at that age, you end up becoming a different person. So it's just such an inexact science. I think, you know, Hinky talked a lot about valuing that when we had him on the pod very early. And I, for somebody who was numbers obsessed, I think he put a lot of value in that. Um, but I, I've, and I think, I, I do think that there were, there's obviously a red flag with faults that Colangelo obviously ignored. I think that one, I think that the Celtics knew something was wrong and people internally with the Sixers knew something was wrong. And he just chose not to do it because he was terrified of the public reaction of doing something different. Uh, but things like Simmons, you you can't know that this is going to happen. Like you can't, you know, and, and um, he might interview well, like who knows? So um, I think it's a, a pretty inexact thing. And I, I think there's, there's really not that many 
instances of them failing because of this thing. It's really just Fultz and Simmons. And I think Simmons, you couldn't have been able to tell. And also like, there's plenty of examples of guys who are like, that's a dog. Like that's someone that's going to really do it. And then they're like, it's Dion waiters. Like there's plenty of example. It's not just like hard and fast, like draft the draft, the guy who can like, you know, survive in a, in, in like a, a room punching his way out for an hour. Like there's, it's hard to know. It's a very inexact thing. And I don't blame them one bit for going, well, we're going to draft. I mean, aside from the, the, if they knew something was wrong with faults, as far as like the jump shot goes, um, I don't blame them for going like, well, we're drafting the best, the most talented guys. Like we're also at the time they were one of the worst teams in the league. Like we're not thinking about anything aside from like getting the most talent. And mm-hmm. it worked for a while for, for Ben. So final question, and this is related, so I'll do this, or it is one basketball and it is non-basketball question. This comes from JP. If one draft decision from the past seven years could be undone, which one would you pick? Seems to me the candidates are the Okafor pick, the Fultz trade and pick, and the Zaire Smith, uh, Macau Bridges trade. In this hypothetical scenario, you would still only have the information available at the time. That is, you wouldn't know Mario Hazoni or Stanley Johnson would turn out to be terrible. You just wouldn't have picked Okafor. Um, what would yours be? I mean, it's, it's Okafor. I think information at the time, especially makes it like we knew right away, like that was not, mm-hmm. that was not good. We weren't excited about that. Um, but then you end up taking a- probably Porzingis or something, right? I mean, like you don't, you don't trade, you don't take, uh, what's his, you don't take Devin Booker at. No, like, they wouldn't take him that. that you know? No, for sure. Yeah. Um, it would have been Porzingis or, or Justice Winslow or something like that. Um, yeah, it, it just, the, if you got a rotation player there who didn't play center with Noel and Embiid, then, then I think that would have been like a, a, just a sizable win compared to what it was. And because we now know that part of the NBA cracking down on Hinky was like this maelstrom of, yeah. And Okafor's speeding and getting into a fight and all that stuff. Um, when he wouldn't even, con- I, I, I bet if we asked him truthfully he would admit that he would have handled that a little bit differently like he didn't even when they had him to a press release on that stuff he wouldn't even put his name on it because he didn't mm-hmm. want to do a press release on it um yeah. and, yeah, and, I, and zaire mikhail like that was a defensible trade like i mikhail was a better player uh, by, by a lot at that point and i i liked him more but zaire was a very impressive prospect at the time and uh they got to get a first round pick to move down only a little bit and then they use that pick to then you know add to their holster of getting getting like the guy even though it became Tobias it's it's still a defensible trade the Okafor is not defensible it wasn't a defensible pick and obviously Fultz if Fultz became the player he was in college then we would be having a very different discussion so that was not a bad a bad you know knowing the information we know like at the time um it's it's Okafor it was it was wrong then it was wrong now it's very clear I think if one could have changed the trajectory though, well, but if Okafor doesn't do that, then maybe they still have Hinky and maybe he, yeah, like all of that. I, I do think that there is an argument, a, a pretty sound argument to be made for Fultz, though you wouldn't have been able to take Tatum. And then I, I think you could make a sound Domino's article for Ben um, because I, I think it did prevent them from getting what they needed to get even though he's a good player, I think you could make an argument that if they had not done that, they could be closer to where they are, where they need to be, even considering the... Um, Sorry, done, the, done what? Sorry, I'm, 
if What's they had that? not done what you were, I think, I think if they had not picked Ben, if they had not, if picked, they had not picked Ben, yeah, instead and, and instead picked who? Well, I don't Ingram? know. Uh, even if you take Ingram, yeah, like I, I think like Ingram's value is much higher than Simmons's is now, and I, I think if he's uh, playing with Embiid, that well, it just is. Yeah, I mean, right now, but six months ago, it wasn't like I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree. I don't think that. I think that the Simmons, the Simmons pick, and up until the Hawk series was like. He was 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 the right pick, and Ingram is remains to be seen how he can contribute to winning in a positive way. Um, and I think that at the time it was still the right it was the right move then. And I I also think having Ingram wouldn't have prevented you from getting the player that you need to get. And I think having Simmons yeah, but Fultz, was, Fultz, Fultz was that player too. But but he but he wasn't. He, like he like, I guess what I'm saying is is that like. The, you, the question is like the information you knew at the time, right? And so at the time, Fultz was exactly that player. And so right, but remember we were in the middle for that. We were even doing the the bullshit where JJ Redick was being announced as like a fucking forward or something, so Ben could get named point guard. Like I, I just do think that that, and this is just a difference in how I think about it and how you think about it. It's fine. I just think that the the desire to put him in that spot prevented them from improving that spot. And that spot is the most important spot. Um, and I, I think you could have survived the other things if you thought about that differently. But who knows? Like maybe if they just approach Ben differently in the beginning, I, we'll, we'll never know how much of this was him and how much of this was them. You know, we just, we'll never know. Um, and finally, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Do you like stand-up comedy? Have you ever tried it? And who is your favorite stand-up comic? Uh, we've talked about this before. I've, tr- I've tried it a couple times, like four or five, but not in the last like eight years or something. Um, I don't really like it that much. Uh, I wouldn't even, I watch it occasionally. Like I used to like Mulaney. I think he's gotten worse. Obviously he's going through what he's going through, not separately from that. Um, uh, there's a bunch of people I like, but I can't think of them right now. It's I'm I'm not a stand-up guy for sure, and I feel like especially like the culture around stand-up is is pretty uh, toxic in a way that makes me want to stay away. Um, I I enjoy stand-up. I enjoy going to see stand-up. My favorite actually was Norm Macdonald. May he rest in peace. I like sort of like weird um, stand-up. I. I do like sometimes being the only person that's laughing in the crowd. I do enjoy that. I did see a guy the other night, uh, Craig Carton and Evan Roberts did a comedy night in New York at Gotham. And there was a guy, everybody was good, but there was a guy named Nathan McIntosh. If you're looking for a, a newer guy that is funny, I thought he was really, really funny um, and definitely had a, uh, a, a different sort of delivery than, than people I've seen. But I, I do enjoy stand-up. I tried it once. I will never do it again. It was the scariest thing in my whole life. I think I found that it's, it's much easier to do in a crowd full of people that like if it's crowded, if it's not crowded, it can get really, really hard. It was, it was fucking the scariest thing in my whole life. And I've played in bands and I've been on stages in other capacity, but stand-up comedy was the most horrifying thing I've ever done. I'll never do it again. All right. Uh, media day is Monday. Camp starts. There's, you know, Sam Amico reported that the, the feeling around the league that a Ben trade is happening this week. So I just, I just oh, really? want to happen. The yeah, feeling. that's what he reported. So that's the feeling. I just want it to happen. So we, I just don't want to fucking talk. I want to talk about the team. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So. Yeah, for sure. 
I'm uh, the first that we had Jordan Liggins on to talk about the WNBA, the WNBA playoffs last week. Playoffs are in full swing. Great games uh, on Thursday. Now there's another great game. Uh, Storm Mercury links the sky. Single elimination tomorrow, which I will be watching alongside football. Very sporty weekend. And I hope that is paired with a nice uh, Sixers trade. Go sports. Go sports. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know. Big face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.